0: You are listening to the Anormo Cast. Hey folks, as you know, Black Diamond is one of the major sponsors of the Anormo Cast, and while the money they've handed me has disappeared into the dark hole of debauchery, they also hand money over to some important organizations, like the American Alpine Club, like the Access Fund, and like the Nature Conservancy, the people who control a major part of Indian Creek so when you're spending your money on new gear, consider the fact that not only do they make great gear, but they're also trying to protect the places that you're going to use it. Black Diamond, proud sponsor of the EnormaCast. Does your partner suffer from tried again syndrome, or one hangitis, or even worse, delusional performance disorder? Well. There really isn't a cure for DPD, except for a good smackdown, but it does probably mean that you've been belaying them for hours and hours on end, and are now suffering from BNP, or belayer neck pain, a stiffness in the cervical spine just below the occipital region of your thick, thick skull. But now there's a cure for BNP resulting from DPD. Ask your doctor about belay specs, and when he doesn't know what the hell you're talking about... Just smile and tuck that prescription for opiates away for your next overseas plane flight. But then ask several strangers about Belay Specs. Ask that cute barista at the coffee shop on the corner about Belay Specs. In fact, ask everyone you know about Belay Specs. Keep talking about Belay Specs until nobody wants to climb with you anyway. Problem solved. But if that doesn't work, then go to BelaySpecs.com and get yourself a pair. And don't forget to enter Enormocast at checkout for a discount and to help out the podcast. Side effects may include people thinking you're staring at them when you're not, old drag is rolling their eyes, people putting them on for the first time and saying, ooh, that's trippy, people insisting they don't like those weird glasses even though they've never even tried them. If you feel drowsy, nauseous, rumbling in your stomach, horny, confused, or have strange vivid dreams, this probably has nothing to do with Belay Specs, and is more likely from that bug you picked up in that backpacker's hostel in Rio after five too many caipariñas. BelaySpecs.com, say adios to Blair neck pain. Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? Are you playing here? We're doing the uh Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. It's oh, yeah, the big place, the town. a big place. Nice. That's a big place. You sold oh, it house. House. We really What the hell are you doing?
1: I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a freight end on
0: Europe, and I'm cutting it out.
1: Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment with support from Maxim Ropes
0: and the fine folks at La Sportiva. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast.
1: And now back to the show.
0: Hello and welcome to the EnormaCast. This is your host, Chris Cruz. It is July 12th, about 10 o'clock, mountain daylight time. This is episode 108 of the EnormaCast, a conversation with climber Joe Kinder. And there is no business to be had today. No business whatsoever. The podcast is just cooking along. My email folder is just filling up with unanswered emails. But I'm getting these episodes done and that's what matters. Am I right? So let me just introduce the interview with Joe Kinder. I've known Joe for quite some time and pursued him for a couple few years. And he was a little reluctant to come on the show. I think at first he just didn't know what the hell I was doing. But then I think he got a little nervous about the candid nature of the Enorma cast and that somehow he would trip up and sound stupid or make a fool of himself or say the wrong thing, and uh, I don't think he did that. I think he actually did a really great interview, and we got sort of the better part of Joe Kinder in this one, and uh, he didn't want to talk about the tree, which if you don't know what I'm talking about, you'll find out in a little bit, but if you uh, follow climbing pretty closely and Joe Kinder in any way, shape, or form, you know about the tree incident. I got him to agree to talk about it, and even, uh, even my contact over at BD didn't want us to talk about it sort of wanted it in the past. But I felt like, you know, this is the forum that works to explain uh, yourself and also explain the fallout from some sort of incident like that. I mean, really, the Enorma cast, one of the pillars that built the Enorma cast was Hayden Kennedy's interviews after the uh, Sarah Torre controversy. We've all forgotten about that. Notice that? It's just gone. Seemed like such a big deal at the time. Yeah, maybe some Argentines I haven't forgotten about it. There's one Italian that hasn't forgotten about it, I'm sure. But anyway, yeah, this is a place that uh, gives you the format to explain yourself. And I think I gave Joe ample opportunity to talk about that. And uh, I think he did a good job. But so you'll have to decide for yourself. Joe's a complicated guy. He's, uh, he's got a little bit of that punk-ass kid in him still. And I've watched him sort of mature as a professional over the years. But I still think it's in there. And uh, he did his best to curb it during this interview, like so we got his sort of better part. But uh I believe it's still in there. And he talks about having been the kind of kid that sought out trouble. And you know, I think that guy is still lurking around inside of Joe Kinder. So and that's actually really fine because uh, he's a human being and he's more interesting that way. And though he's a very nice, very genuine guy, like I said, I think that little that little devil's inside of him somewhere still. So Good luck with that, Joe. But again, did a great interview, and I hope you guys enjoy this one. Sportiva is a proud sponsor of the EnormaCast. And though I will be buried one day in a blown-out pair of mirrors, if you're young and open-minded about trying hot new things like spam sushi or snail facials, just like it sounds... And Sportiva has two new kicks available this summer for you thrill-seekers. The Squama, rhymes with your mama, is a high-performance Velcro slipper aimed at getting you boulderers up your sickest project. Sick, bro. And the Otaki, rhymes with Suvlaki, is an aggressive, high-performance shoe designed to hold the downturn shape even after repeated lashings. And they also happen to heel-hook like a three-legged monkey on a swing set so check out your nearest high end climbing retailer or sportiva.com for these and all the classics and remember when you give sportiva your business you support the normal cast. Are you are you comfortable? Yeah. 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 All right. Okay. <laughs>
1: I'm
0: cool. I'm nervous. All right, you're a little nervous. Heart huh? heart's beating a little faster than really? normal. Yeah. Okay, so so what is it? So what is it? I mean I've been joking <laughs> like you're scared of me. No, nah, man, I'm not scared of you. It's more of a it's more of this kind yeah. of media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what are you totally. worried about?
1: I don't know, man. I mean, there's, it's like everybody's got you know a bit of self-conscious. You know, and, and everybody's got insecurities, right? Um, I guess one of my insecurities is just kind of being on point. Maybe sharing a whole lot about myself I don't know man I just I get a little uncomfortable with it um and it's just kind of all going down on the record and something about that kind of wigs me out right you know I don't know what it is man like I I do video shit too I'll like make videos and <clears throat> you know a lot of the time I'll I'll you know do my own voiceover and record myself, and then I go back and I edit, and I go back and I edit, just so I could, like, not sound like a dork, so I always feel like, you know, I'm just gonna come off like a total fool, and people are gonna be like, man, fuck that guy, he sounds like a, a dumb New Englander who thinks he's a gangster, or something like that. Okay. And that bothers me, man. Right. And it, and it also, you know, it, it, it it's always a little bit intimidating, kind of just putting yourself out there, mm. you know, I don't care like, who I'm talking to, like, when I'm just going to totally expose myself, Mm -hmm. you know, when a lot of people are going to hear me, I get a little uncomfortable with it. I mean, I think that's kind of self-explanatory. Yeah, but it's also a
0: little ironic because you're a professional. Right. And you've, I mean, how long have you been pursuing climbing Uh, on a professional level?
1: Yeah, so, I think, I was able to...
0: A.K.A. living the dream. Yeah,
1: living the dream, totally. Like, I was able to stop working, I think, about nine years ago now. Okay. Yeah, I think about nine years ago. My last job was, I think, working at Neptune Mountaineering in Boulder, Colorado. You worked at Neptune Mountaineering? Yeah, buddy. For how long? Like, fucking two months. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Three months or something. That's storied. I mean, that's like... Uh, Yeah, I mean... Were you aware of that? Yeah, so, like when I was growing up, right, Mm -hmm. my family would take vacations to Colorado. Okay. Right. And I was always obsessed with climbing, but I just, I wasn't the climber at the time. I was like, whatever, like eight, nine years old. And my family, we do these family reunions and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I would always have to visit like a climbing shop. And, I don't know how, we went to Boulder one time, you know, because Boulder's Boulder, it's cool to visit, and um, went into Mount, Neptune Mountaineering, and I was just like, this is the coolest climbing shop in the world, man, like, I can't believe I've never been here, and we just kind of, like, you know, turned it into this... Periodical thing. Every time we go to Colorado, we go visit Neptune Mountainery, and then I started working there, and it was really funny. I I'd tell people that, you know, like yeah, I used to go to like visit here when I was like a little kid, and they're just yeah, you know, right on. A lot of people do that. It's a fucking museum. It's, it's, right, a, it's right, history, right, right, Of course Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I haven't been there in years, Um, you oh, man, know, and I don't know. Same. It's the same. Yeah, it's the same. I mean, it's just like a stacked badass store. Right. Um, I I've done a couple slideshows there. I gave my first slideshow ever. At Neptune Mountaineering, which was like I mean that that hilarious. really
0: like you're in in, I mean that's like a history of everyone who's ever climbed anything important. Yeah, honestly has like done slideshows there. You know, yeah, I've man. seen them all. I I saw like I once saw Patrick Ellenjay oh, nice. and Catherine Destiville sitting on the curb together in front of. Fucking Neptune, Neptune Mountaineering. like that's awesome. Just sitting there, like, chilling in their, like, brightly colored Euro clothing from the 80s, you know? Like, I mean, it's crazy. I've seen, I saw Joe Simpson there, like, the dude, you know, touching the void. Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 A Croft. I saw a great Croft slideshow there. Cool. So, yeah, man, that's rad.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I look at it now, like, it's a, it was a, definitely like a big jump off to, like, right. me going into, like, this, you know, professional climber sort of atmosphere. You know, I quit my job there and, you know, they were like really supportive. They're like, you, you're you making money off of sponsorship. Like, right. Cool. Like, well, well, do you want to do like a slideshow? And, and, you know, they were just supportive, you know, because mm-hmm. they, they're people that are passionate about climbing mm-hmm. and, um, where I sit now, you know, with sponsors, it's like kind of the same thing. Like the companies I work with are just like the same way as like, you know, Neptune Mountaineer, you know, people that are passionate and really believe in doing what you love. Mm-hmm. And you need that time.
0: So uh, how was an eight or nine <laughs> year old who'd never climbed before obsessed with climbing? Shit, man. I think How did that happen? Do you remember?
1: <laughs> yeah, so I saw the movie K2. It fucking blew my mind, right. I, I only wanted to watch like the rock climbing part, like the whole mountaineering bit. It didn't interest me so much. It was just like you know snow and tents and it was like grueling drudgery you know attempt to make it up K2 right but the beginning they did a little bit of rock climbing and they're like swinging around and I think they're like top roping and they got like boreal
0: aces on yeah you know, sure the, the old black and I remember that movie shoe. seeming like it was <laughs> it was relatively I mean it wasn't as bad as like cliffhanger in terms nah. of goofing around you know you'd had it's to be a climber bad. to realize like there was some messed up logistics but i remember feeling relatively real
1: that's what i thought yeah i mean i haven't seen it in years but that was one part i know it'll ruin it if you do just leave
0: it in that fantasy world from your eight nine-year-old self (laughs) where it was we'll leave that alone (laughs) yeah
1: um yeah i mean i i I used to climb trees you know Mm. i don't know i was like a kid that just liked i i used to skateboard and um you know just be a rowdy little bastard and um on one of those vacations to Colorado uh, my parents would offer me and my sister like one little cool thing to do you know like you get one little you know fun adventure you know we'll pay for one day uh, pick something so mm-hmm. my sister would always do whitewater rafting like she did it fucking two years in a row three years in a row or something like that I chose rock climbing and they, it was like the Colorado, <clears throat> the Rocky Mountain, um, whatever, climbing school. The Colorado Mountain School? Yeah, straight out of Estes Park. What years? I think it was like, it was probably like
0: 88, 89.
1: Oh, okay. Not like 90 maybe? Right. I don't know, man. All right, it, that was before was my time because I worked there. Oh, uh, no way. Yeah. Oh, but, but
0: I wouldn't have, I started working there in 93.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. I was just yeah. like,
0: well, wait a second.
1: Yeah. Wouldn't that be a trip? I mean, maybe dude, <laughs> like honestly, maybe it, it was like 93. I know like one of the years I did it, it was probably like 90. And then uh-huh. I did it again, like maybe like perhaps 93, man. Yeah. I don't know. Like my, I remember the, the dude who took us out, we went to the thumb and the needle right like oh, yeah. probably where they still go
0: oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah. although there's a bunch i and think there's like houses all around it now.
1: yeah 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 for sure yeah. I and mean, you could see it from from like the highway right and um you know i was like i was just obsessed i was i was just like totally obsessed i'm like this is the coolest thing in the world i like i i just want to do this now mm-hmm.
0: um give me that sweet helmet Let's yeah that helmet yeah. <laughs> totally dude just look like a fool
1: and then and then like you know came home to new hampshire and um Was, you know, I I mean, I grew up, like, kind of getting in trouble a lot, right? Like, I would just, I don't know what it was, man. I was just, like, interested in, in, you know kind of like foul play and, and breaking rules and shit mm-hmm. and I just that was like what I dug now weren't you it, as it was, a graffiti guy yeah but that came a lot later oh, it did? that came okay. a lot later Gra- right. the graffiti thing had ne- my, my and I still paint graffiti man but right. you know mainly legal stuff the graffiti thing was a lot more you know based around just like leaving a mark right um, I used to do a lot of trains paint a lot of trains you know but there's rules for graffiti for all those people who don't know you know there's like no painting on houses no painting on church don't paint on fucking rocks you know you leave that shit alone you paint on like bridges you paint you know on certain spots that are, are kind of like accepted and right. I used to paint a lot of legal walls and um, do pieces Right. You know? I, okay. I used to bomb a little bit but it was more like trains you know where we could do pieces and then like you know see them running and that was
0: really cool all over New England right but uh, so I jumped ahead. Yeah, man. yeah. So, no, it's okay. It's okay. Because I wanted, I was wondering actually too. You're you're sort of getting into this going back to New England thing. Yeah. And one of the the things in your lore, you know, because you've been around long long enough to have a little lore, a little bit. And uh, is <laughs> is the crew that you guys that you formed up there climbing together? So yep. let's talk about that and how that, how you ended up finding these other two or three dudes that. Uh, we all know about now mm-hmm. and uh, how you guys ended up finding each other. Or were you bros before you started climbing?
1: Well, no, we weren't. We weren't bros before we started climbing. I mean, like, specifically the the guys that literally, like, changed my life as as, as I know it uh, were, you know, first it was Tim Kempel, who's still probably my best friend today, um, and then Dave Graham, and then Luke Parody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, there's a lot, there's a lot more than just than just those guys. But right, just, but those just, guys
0: came, got to the point where we, the rest of us, knew who they yeah, were. Yeah, right?
1: right. It was like a little more of a limelight thing. You know, I started climbing with Tim Kempel. Um, Tim at the time was like kind of the hot shit in all of New England, really, like the one kid that would climb like 13A and. You know, everybody knew him because he was, like, kind of cocky and he would just kind of, like, be that strong kid. And he knew mm-hmm. it, you know, mm-hmm. he kind of, like, responded to it. Um, and then, like, you know, just climbing. I think, like, the, one of the first times I went to Patakaway or, or Rumney with Tim, uh, we met Dave and Luke. I was just, like, <clears throat> Tim Tim always had, like, a really serious style. And, and I, I dug that, and that's kind of, like, what I knew initially, you know. I didn't know any other... Um, and I know their perspective. It was just like Tim's style. I, I did it Tim's way, and and that was like you know. It it, it worked it worked really well for a while, and then Whoa, I met-
0: wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second. <laughs> How much older is Tim than you?
1: I'm a fucking year older than Tim. Oh, you're older than I'm Tim. Al- I'm like always older than my friends, man. Like, okay. I went to, yeah.
0: I thought you guys were different. I thought he was older. Nah. Okay. He's just so, way more fucking pro So, than <laughs> But l- let me back up before you get so, in, into the nitty gritty of style. And I want to get into that. That's, this podcast is, is good for that. Okay. Um, so how did you end up meeting this guy? <clears throat> it was, right uh, all. Tim. Yeah.
1: So I was, you know, looking for a way to be a climber. Right. Right. Um, and met this dude, Brett Myers, at the London Dairy Boulder, just off the highway, right? My mom stopped the car. She's like, okay, go say hello to that guy, you know? Stop making me, you know, bail you out and, like, <laughs> making me cry all the time and me have to, like, <laughs> deal with you. Go say what's up to that guy and,
0: like, it's you know... <laughs> Just that's like, so funny. It's like yeah, you're the man. fawn. Literally. Like the the baby fawn that's trying to, like, walk for yeah, the first time. Yeah, kind of. And she, the, the, you know, Bambi's yeah. mom is, like, nosing him out of the fucking... <laughs> <laughs> totally.
1: So she nudged me out of the car and... Go say you know, hi to that stranger. Just, like, hey,
0: up. hey, son, go go yeah. say hi to that stranger over there that's, like, on the side of the road yeah. on a, by a boulder. That's that's the picture, man. I'll come man. pick you back up in a couple of hours. <laughs> Mama, Good luck. She, she stayed there. <laughs> Here's a pistol. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, <laughs> anyway, sorry.
1: <laughs> but, I mean, okay, so, like, at that point, my mother was just interested in finding me something healthy to do. Mm. And I knew I needed it, but I was just too, you know, wrapped up in my, you know, whatever, troublemaking ways. Right. And uh, so you, whatever, yeah, so she nudges me out the car. She's like, go go say hello, you know, and, and you know, maybe uh, see if that guy is cool. We'll see if he'll take you climbing or something. So I went up, and I kind of, I kind of started talking, and, you know, I'm talking like I know what's <laughs> this up. Is cause, awesome. cause this I, is like, awesome. an awesome story. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, like, read magazines, and I was like, oh, yeah, 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 like Ron Cock. Yeah, yeah. What about, like, Yosemite? You been to Yosemite? Okay. You have been to, like, Waco? What about Crown of Aragon? And, you know, just start dropping Right. Any bit of climbing, you know, hotshot info I had, <laughs> like, and he was totally like, he was, he thought it was cool, right? right. Brett, Brett was just like, right on, man. Like, have you heard of Tim Kempel? He's like, you know, the hotshot strong kid. And I'm like, no, man. Like, w- w- what's, what's he like? He's like, oh yeah, he can do like 513. I'm like, oh god, that's, that's ill. Oh my god, he can do like 513. So that guy, Brett, basically took me in and 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 befriended my mother. My mother trusted him mm-hmm. to like you know, pick me up. And over time I met Tim via Brett. And then, um, those guys were all, you know, a lot of these, these Manchester climbers were, um, they got together to build a, a a gym, like a Mm -hmm. small, you know, co-op gym in a a mill. And this co-op gym was just like, whatever, this small little like shithole gym that, you know, we would basically live in, and Tim would show up periodically, but Tim would just give me, like, the cold shoulder, man, he was never cool with me, he was the the cool kid, but, like, you know, he was the hot shot kid, he was the one doing all the hard climbing, and, like, everybody knew it, and he just kind of, like, walked around with, like, the puff chest, (laughs) and so, yeah, man, I I, I just had to, like, kind of try to win him over Mm -hmm. with, like, being cool, I, I couldn't climb for, you know, a damn, but I remember the day that Tim kind of, like, accepted me, right? We were in Middle Earth. That was the name of the climbing gym, right? We were in the in the gym, and we, I think we had just built the campus board. And um, we just start trying, like, campus moves, you know? We're, like, 15, 16 years old, probably 15. And um, I started to, like, surpass Tim on some of these campus exercises, like, whatever, like, one, five, whatever. And um, that's when Tim's brain completely changed. And he was like, all right, man, you want to go climbing? Mm-hmm. And so, whatever, took me climbing. I remember I, like, got my tongue pierced one of the times before I went climbing with Tim. And I was, like, wicked insecure that Tim was going to, like, see that and get all wigged out and shit. So I was, like, not talking a lot. I was just kind of like, I'm late. You know, like, trying my ass off to like you know hide it was he finally like what the
0: fuck is wrong with
1: no man i told him way later (laughs) i don't know i was just like i didn't want to like screw it up you know Mm -hmm. it was a big moment for me Mm -hmm. i'm like climbing with you know this badass kid and actually at the cliff in rumney right um but you know like over the time like you know we we would climb all the time like we lived at the cliff man like it was a weekend thing we would leave school and go directly up to the to rumney it was like an hour drive from manchester we were just, like, completely obsessed. And then we took a trip to Spain, to, like, the Costa Blanca, mm-hmm. and, you know, got a new slight perspective on, like, what the world of climbing was. You know, climbed on limestone for the first time, saw the ocean in a different way, you know, the Mediterranean. And, I mean, Tim's parents were climbers. Right, right? So right. they yeah, were, like... It's a
0: legacy, yeah.
1: Yeah, they, like, kind of aided in, in all of it. You know, I I got lucky, man. Like, a lot of these guys just kind of took me in. Right. Uh, I don't know why. I mean, they just kind of liked me, and they thought that, you know, I was fun to have around or something. Well,
0: were you guys then, I mean, there's an impression, and I want to kind of know if it was real, Hmm. is that, Mm -hmm. you know, some of you guys were pushing the boundaries of sort of acceptability in in a region, in a climbing scene that I think is probably even still (laughs) the most kind of ethic, rule-oriented scene in the country. And so I kind of... I, I don't know if this is true or not, and maybe I've read it or maybe I've just imagined it, but were you guys sort of like you know pushing the envelope pushing the envelope and creating waves amongst the tradsters and the guys with the pulled up knee high socks and uh, the um hmm. or or was there a, a place for you guys within that where at where you weren't really like so so in, in other no, words that's like a good question man in some ways were you finding like the same you know <laughs> skater kind of like fuck you mentality and climbing or was it all copacetic
1: i think it was all copacetic, and at least in our brains, because we were, in, in a lot of ways, just fairly, like, naive to most things. Okay. Like, we were just, like, you know, hanging out in the woods, going climbing. Uh-huh. We, we were not exposed to anything other than, like, you know... The big dogs at like Rumney, which is like Ward Smith and like, you know, the tough team, tough crew. And like, so, you know, our world was just small. And we were primarily hanging out at Sport Cliffs, right? Right. And going bouldering. And like, we would go to Cathedral
0: Ledge. Somebody else had fought those battles, probably. Perhaps. I
1: I don't think we dealt with that much. I mean, the only battles we ever dealt with were like, you know, maybe climbing somebody's project before they were ready to give it up, mm-hmm. you know, so, like, project thieve, thieving, and that was kind of bad, like, we definitely, you know, caught a bad rap a couple times doing that shit. <laughs> we had, we actually had to, like, pay some money, <clears throat> you know, like, give the bolter, give the root developer, like, money just because, like... You know, they were his bolts. They were his bolts, his time, and he was pissed that we did his project, and, you know, it, it's funny, when you get together and you're, like, in, a, in like, a trio or, like, a foursome, you just convince yourself of things. You're like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, dude, it's all good. Oh, dude, it's all good. Oh, you think it's all good? Okay, cool. Then we're yeah. cool. We're cool. Yeah. And and you just kind of like.
0: That's the problem with na- naivety. Yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> There's <laughs> thirty dudes telling each other that this is all fine.
1: <laughs> sounds like a good time, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thirty men in a house. Yeah, yeah. You that are sounds awesome. Negative. <laughs> nope, thanks. All right, so you guys go to Spain. You get right. this like global. Kind of look. Totally. Dave Graham is some somehow appears <clears throat> so, in the scene. Luke.
1: Right, right. So. So like whatever we went to Spain that was like you know a big deal right? My parents were like holy shit my kids like actually finding something cool to do and it's like you know healthy. Um, mm-hmm. So I still
0: love the the, I know.
1: the the whole
0: like operation Mom, of like go talk to that strange guy. Li- over there. That's literally how it went down. It's <laughs> <That's in>. awesome.
1: <laughs> um, was he the same age as you though? No man Brett was older. Brett's older. He's yeah. He's see about that's what four, makes it the best. Five. Like, He's
0: older. <laughs> go talk to that older yeah. guy
1: i mean it's funny like in my mind when i think about it it was like totally normal totally cool right just because my mom's like no no go for it go for it just say hello that's awesome and he he didn't look like a sketchy dude he wasn't like some like bum homeless guy like living under a boulder on the side of the road he was like a climber dude you know he he brett to me has always had like a cool style right and like i saw him off on the side of the road i was like that guy's got a cool style he can't be like sketchy let's Mm -hmm. go try to say hello and, you know, I, I owe, like, in a lot of ways, I owe my life to that guy, right? Like, no, I mean, I those am where I am because of
0: things are, are important. moments, yeah, man. There's, there's these guys that point the way, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. well, so anyway, you you guys get a global perspective <laughs> right. after Spain. And then,
1: you know, so we're just climbing in Romney a lot, right? Like, we just session at Romney, and we met Dave and Gomez that way. Um, I really like Dave and Gomez's style. They had, like, a really carefree,
0: kind of young, uh, really... Stoked, Gomez being Luke parody, Luke parody. Okay. Right? We call him Gomez. <laughs> so, I know. I, I, I gave him the to, nickname. We're on a podcast. <laughs> so I want to clear that
1: up. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and so like, I don't know, we just kind of like vibe really well. Right. And, um, I ended up just climbing with those guys a lot. Right. Like we just kind of like connected in a way. Uh, they lived in Maine. I was living in New Hampshire, but like, we still just meet all the time. Mm-hmm. Talk on the phone a lot. Oh, yo, did you hear Chris Sharma did this? Or, you know, we were just geek and we were like, obsessed to the point of of it being like you know kind of too much right (laughs) it was just like totally fucked up and so Dave at the time was like you know earning sponsorship money and you know he he was the best in in all of New England like the one dude doing the most badass stuff and Gomez was right behind him Mm -hmm. me I was you know fucking leagues behind those guys but over time I just you know was climbing with these dudes they were such good climbers that I was you know constantly just kind of rising to the occasion and mm-hmm. you know I always thought like when I was a, a young skater kid I, w- I would always skate the best when I was skating with kids better than me right mm-hmm. and same now with climbing so it's the same thing you just kind of like you know perspective changes you know I go to Spain I come back like my perspective's different like my levels are of, a, of acceptability are just a little bit different and um, you know we just we had this like bond right of being obsessed and being stoked And stoked to be good climbers. And, and, you know, we were in the small world of New England. We were exposed to very little. And so for us to kind of, like, raise levels or do things that were impressive at that time, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was really gratifying, right? It definitely pushed us. And we were encouraged by local climbers. And we were encouraged by the people around, Um, you know, the guys that that were our mentors. We had a lot of mentors, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, We weren't just kids from the gym you know, going to the gym, to the clip. I mean, we were, but we had mentors from right. the outdoor climbing world mm-hmm. that like kind of took us under and like showed us what the fuck was up. So right. luckily, you know, we had these, these like definite, um, educations on, you know, how to, how to be, especially in new England, man. If you fuck up in new England, you just, would get the boot and you wouldn't do it again. Right. <laughs> you would just get like, you know, a good smack to the face if you did something wrong, like stealing those projects. That was a big deal. Right. That was a big deal. But, um, and you know it, it it's it's it like progressed that way uh you know we we started to travel together as a threesome Tim started to become a little more obsessed with photography mm-hmm. and um
0: I think that's probably like listeners probably know his name right We attached to photos as much as anything now
1: right. I mean, he's, to me, he's he's one of my heroes, literally. He's one of, like, the people I look up to. I ask for advice from him. He is, you know, someone that I respect immensely. And he's an awesome climber, right? Like, next month, like, in a month, actually, like, in a month, like, today, we fly to Switzerland to try Sibbegeier. Oh, me sick. and Tim, just, like, old climbing homies. Dude. No, no fucking camera, no media anything just dudes going climbing like old homies wow
0: yeah all right that actually kind of answers (laughs) or like gets to another thing i wanted to talk about good cool awesome Mm -hmm. wow okay cool
1: yeah man i mean it's funny to see where we all are now i see dave i just saw dave recently um still same old dave manic crazy stoked loves climbing loves rocks he's really into like gem hunting now you know, my life's a lot different. I don't hang out with the guy so much. Um, you know, we just kind of have our own stoke, our own thing. Right. But, you know, I, I miss him, you mm-hmm. know. And I miss Gomez, too. I don't even talk to Gomez, man. I don't know what the fuck's up with Gomez. He don't hit me up ever. <laughs> and I don't hit him up either, so it's like,
0: fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I mean, child, childhood or young, young, well, I mean, you guys weren't children, but... Nah. Right? Yeah, young, young friendships go, and, and it's not like... It's not like some sort of comment on who the person's become or anything else. It's yeah. Your life gets filled up with other things, man.
1: Life's funny, man. Yeah. Definitely puts you in weird, weird places. So
0: this is a question I ask a lot, but I'm going to ask it anyway. When did you think or start to think about like, wow, can I make climbing this viable life? like? when did you start thinking that? And then what led to that? Because okay. like you said, nine, <clears throat> ten years ago, you were able to like, Oh, I can make this happen. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean you like, you know, moved into the mansion with the, with the hot <laughs> tub. It just meant that you <laughs> could, you could fund a life on the road. And yeah. Travel and, and climb.
1: Yeah. Right? right. Right. So, I mean, it's funny. People ask me all the time like, yo man, how do you become a pro climber? Right. And it's different for everybody, man. It really is. There's no real formula. Um, I, I, personally it was just you know i had sponsorship right i had like you know i was, gain- I was gaining a little bit of money um from companies you know like mm-hmm. a clothing company a shoe company and right. you know like a rope company um they believed in me and and that was kind of like the segue into you know maybe um pushing it to the point where i could you know call myself a pro climber mm-hmm. um and i think that the the point that i i decided to kind of like try to make that possible you Mm -hmm. know shot in the dark really it was nothing but a shot in the dark was just a simple like dinner i had with my old girlfriend colette and my dad and my dad's a salesman uh by nature and he just kind of knows knows a lot about business and i trust him a lot and and he just sat there we're drinking margaritas in mesquite nevada um at this mexican restaurant and you know, Colette was kind of pushing for it at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like, why don't you try to make a living? Like, you can do it. Like, you can just, you can do this if you tried a little harder. And so I decided to try to try to do it, you know? Like, try to, you know, sacrifice a little more time. Try to put in more work into the sponsors that I had and offer them more. Basically, give them a reason to pay me
0: right. more money. Right.
1: And over a large amount of time i'd say a, a two a two-year time frame of like hustling and working hustling and always working um i was able to you know come to that point where i was making enough money from sponsorship alone to stop working right and that was a big big day dude and like i i've grown up working my ass off for everything i've always worked i've always right. worked and i'm proud of that and like you know, I think that's kind of, like, part of my personality as well. Like, I really believe in people that pay dues. I believe in, like, this kind of core, um, you know, belief in, 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 like, what you do. And I have a lot of respect for the people that work for what they have. And, you know, I, I've had a lot of fucked up jobs, man. And, like, a lot of those jobs were just to make enough money to go climbing. Like right. most people. Like right. like most climbers. Right? right. Like like a lot of climbers I know. And so... um, you know, the day I decided I could stop working was like a fucking moment, man. I was really insecure about it. And I didn't know what to do. when I was just like, holy shit, like, I don't have work, man. Like, mm-hmm. I can just do whatever I want. I can, like, go wherever I want. Right. I can, like, buy a plane ticket to Europe and, like, right. go chill there for, like, a month. And then I started to just kind of do that, man. Take advantage, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I saw it as a moment to uh, seize, you know, like, the YOLO thing. Like, you only live once. Like... I don't know how long, you know, the sponsorship thing could last. Right. You know, I still don't, you know. It's like contractual type thing. It's like starving artist type of uh, uh, a living. Right. You know, I I make a good living now, man. I'm I'm really proud of it. But, like, there's definitely moments when you know contracts come up it's like okay dude i hope i'm cool
0: right right like everybody <laughs> you're gonna, we all you like sit that. down at the table up on, yeah. upstairs at the you know whatever at the bd yeah. booth and sure sure everybody gathers around yeah totally like
1: yeah. i i me and chris Sharma, we were always like yo man like <sighs> contracts coming up man you you cool you safe like you cool? i mean it's chris right. he's always fucking cool yeah say, right but, we always have the conversations. So we always wig each other out a little bit, and we're like, "Hi, right, man!" Like, and then we see each other the next day. Like, yeah, it's cool. It's cool.
0: So, what do we're you good. think? Uh, what do you think you bring to the table? Mm. Let's talk about mm-hmm. that for a second. It, it just sure occurred on. to me. But like, no. what do you think you bring to the table in terms of, you know, like what do I have to offer? Well, yeah, because you know, I think that people outside of sort of the industry or sponsorship world, you know, we're all hung up on this idea that you have to climb really hard yeah. and it's the, the best uh-huh. climbers in terms of grades that get sponsored. But the truth is, is that you, th- that once you start looking at it, it's not, it's not, there's a full package. There's a full package. Yeah. And, and you know, <laughs> you'll be the first one to admit that there's plenty of unsponsored climbers, especially like in a place like Spain yeah. that like crush you, Oh, right? dude. And like roll you up into a ball and you know, yeah. So, yeah, this is a good topic, man. Yeah, so I, I what like do you this? think it is that you bring to the table that um, well, have brought the sponsors to you or sold yourself or however however you want to say.
1: Okay, so like what what I have to offer maybe like a fairly abstract question because like I have evolved over the years. Like okay. I just have and I still will and and like any person does in like a certain career, you're going to change, you know. What you have to offer is going to be different. But the one thing to remember is You know, you have to think about like, you know, what, what you're used for, for a piece of of sponsorship, right? Mm -hmm. It's basically, you're a piece of marketing, right? You're not like, you know, this, this trainer, you're not a guide, you're a piece of marketing. That being said, you know, you could be a good climber, right? A lot of good climbers don't have sponsorship, like you said, and you gotta let you know and and there's really no formula to it either that's like another weird thing like every company has a different need every company has a different character every company has a different type of personality that they they affiliate with and, and that they believe in and climbing is still very much in that sort of state where it's like you know kind of a bro state it's not based around a solid black and white deal you know, I, like so and so could be good friends with the, the owner of a black diamond or, you know, it, it, a lot of that comes down to like just simple modes of how you operate with mm-hmm, people. Mm-hmm. And when you operate with, well with people, do you operate well with people at the cliff? That's like your first and foremost, like, you know, grassroots type of, of, of platform are you a good person at the cliff? Are you a dick at the cliff? <laughs> then, you know, do you turn heads? You know, this is like something you need to ask yourself if you're interested in being a climber, a pro climber. It's like, you know, do you stand out at all? You know? And, and then it's not so much about climbing hard. Like, sure. You do need to climb, you know, fairly well for sure. to stand out at all. But a lot of that just, you know, to me just comes from like, you know, the passion oriented part. And mm-hmm. if you're a passionate person and you love climbing, and you love to do it and you make your life around it. And, and, um, you know, it's really just like, you know, as simple as that. You can really kind of, you know, lump a lot of your goals and and your expectations out the year into that. I hope I'm not speaking too abstractly, but this is like a really case-to-case scenario, man. Right. It's never like one black and white thing. Um, Companies have different needs for different people. Do you affiliate well with that company? Usually your levels of climbing mean very, very little. the climbing company but your levels of good climbing do matter to the people and that's really important don't ever forget that shit right you can't lose sight of like the people and those are the people that look at you before the companies right and and forever man like as as i make my living as a pro climber i will always earn the respect from the people before the companies no matter what well yeah (laughs) it's really important to me man like it, it, there's there's a difference than like you know I guess you know uh, like the pro sports like fucking team sports and things like that, um, and you know you got to earn the respect from the folk the the people that matter.
0: Well, let me ask you this then it's sort of it's sort of connected in terms of transitions in your career. Yeah. Um, the one thing I notice with you and that I respect. Um, and we've sort of casually known each other more friends of friends sure. um, for quite some time. But the thing that I noticed, and it's a it's a bitch I have about about other climbers necessarily or their careers, is that at some point you really transition to being someone who puts up climbs. Uh huh. And I'm always just That's like cool, I'm always like looking at mm-hmm. these really good young sport climbers. Right. And they're like, you know, desperately repeating this one hard route that was put up usually by chris sharma yeah let's face it huh. like 10 uh-huh. years ago uh-huh. and they get that one done and then they move on to this other route often put up by chris sharma uh-huh. eight years ago <laughs> and then they move on and then yeah. for like for them to last in my mind or or and you said the word stand out for in my mind they the somebody at some point has to turn this corner to putting up roots in my, in my opinion, perhaps. And, you know, Sharma did it only because he ran out of hard roots to do probably to a certain extent, mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm done with them all. Now mm-hmm. I got to find my own. So, but I don't think that happened to you. So where was that transition for you in terms of, because you are are not only just putting up new roots, but developing full cliffs. Yeah. When did that like become something that you were like, all right, I'm done with clip in somebody else's bolts
1: I I think it just became a need to provide for what I love Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think I mean as dorky as that sounds like I came to a point where I wanted to kind of add something and I wanted to leave pieces of me that would stay in rock climbing forever Mm -hmm. and there's something really rad about that man like I put up so many roots I mean here in Rifle Canyon I've got roots, and I'll see people climbing my roots, and um, it's really satisfying. And and it's it's satisfying to like be able to create something, be able to pioneer something new. You know, there's a lot of like you know excitement in that, but there's also this like mode of being able to leave something forever, and mm-hmm. um, I I enjoy that aspect as well. Right. So yeah, and and of course I like to have like cool hard roots to climb as well too. I mean, I like to I like to you know climb anybody's roots but you know of course a first ascent takes a little more work and i do like that work aspect and um you know it's for me it's like a way i can i can create things i can be alone doing it um it's a way i can be involved with climbing without climbing mm-hmm. and in a way it's bigger than just going and sending a route hmm it, it for me, 100%. It's bigger. Well, I,
0: I guess that was my point. I mean, yeah. That's my point is that there's sort of this, like, candy quality to, like, reading so-and-so repeated this thing, you yeah. know, in Europe that's, like, the hardest route. You know, I mean, recently, I mean, uh, biography got repeated again yeah. just in the last couple of days. So badass. Um, but at the same time, it's it doesn't even, I mean, literally, there's, you know, you talked about this lasting contribution. Yeah. Like... Literally, that's true because the root stays there that you put up. Right. But I think media-wise too, it's like, yeah, it's kind of cool. Is there, there's not a lasting thing to like. Yeah, a lot of times, okay, he repeated it. Right. And in a couple months, some French guy will repeat it. You know, like. Right. So totally, dude. Yeah, and then I, you know, you also just use the word uh, create something. Right. You know, very important to me, man. And and uh, several people have told me like the one thing about what you do with bolting or what you do with roots. And it's probably not a hundred percent, you know, we all have our, our roots that, you know, came and went and weren't that great, but sure. you know, people compliment the quality of your roots <laughs> and the dedication you have to making something that is <sighs> like ready to climb and to sort of satisfy. Is that, you know, can you like draw on like your youth or, or anything like that yeah. in terms of your motivation there?
1: Yeah. I mean, so, I went to art school, right? Um, finished school, and then I just started climbing, right? Mm-hmm. So, I've definitely... You know, my parents would always really encourage the the need for, like, the creative outlet. And it turned to photography and filmmaking, and now was root development, filmmaking. Um, so, for me, it's really important to have an outlet to, to make something. And, and, you know, part of part of making something man is 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 seeing others kind of experience it and and partake in it and and to kind of you know put that in front of somebody and have them have an experience and for me to be able to provide an experience in the world what i love and which i love climbing it's huge and with that comes a lot of responsibility mm-hmm. so quality in that is you know huge to me i mean i'm i'm there providing this experience for somebody and at the end of the day like climbing is climbing but it's all it's, it's an experience dude it's like a, it's a conversation it's i'm going to share my experience with you through words or through through a movie i'm going to make or i'm going to you know write about it it's an experience that i'm going to express it's not just the act. It's not mm-hmm. just the act. We all know that. I mean, sure, you can do it. But then, like, you, you want to talk about it. You want to share it. And so me being able to, to provide that for people is, like, you know, this really intimate sort of relationship created. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's not just for me. <laughs> when, I make the, when I put these roots up, man, it's, it's 2% for me. I'm thinking about everybody else, everybody else down the line. Are they going to have a good experience? Are they going to hate it? Cause that's okay. You can hate it. You can love it. You can, whatever. You're going to have an experience that I've provided for you. Mm-hmm. And that's a big deal. Right. That's something that's like, I think, you know, it's not a whole lot of, uh, you know, creativity per se in, just simply climbing. I think movement-wise, yeah, you can, like, problem-solve and do cool things and, like, you know, send and that kind of shit, but to create and put up first ascents and to pioneer new things that no one else has done before and then to give that to the world, I think that that is, like, one of the most special things of climbing.
0: Mm -hmm. Let me finish this line on transitions. Um, You talked a minute ago when we were talking about being a pro climber about, you know, what you thought that was 10 years ago and what it's become um is a totally different thing and and again like again we've known each other i think it was a running joke that you didn't know my name and i started to like (laughs) get in your fucking grill about it that's so lame. yeah yeah (laughs) that's okay I hate that shit that's okay dude, no I'm I don't super, know I, I'm super weak shit like that sometimes no that's fine like,
1: dude straight up I'm, I'm climbing here and I'm still seeing people that I've known for
0: fucking years I know I'm, I'm like, the same ah. way dude and this this, the, the, the normal cast has made it worse because I meet way more people now Yeah. and they introduce themselves and we have this great conversation and I am genuinely appreciative of their 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 like interest yeah. in the show and then two months later i see him again you? and i'm just like who's that guy Fuck, i should know this person's That's... name and i don't want them to think that i didn't care that they were like psyched on the show you know so don't worry don't worry it just yeah. became a running you joke. you used to this.
1: wear glasses let's not forget
0: i do still i just uh, i don't <laughs> like to wear them when i climb but anyway so your transition as a professional climber yeah you know, I've watched it. Oh, man. And in some ways, like, in some ways, you've become the consummate professional in my mind. right? Thank you. Because, like I said, I've watched these transitions where it's like, you know, it's no longer good enough... In you in in terms of making your mark to just be climbing hard Boring. because you get lost in the crowd and besides you 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 know you're getting long in the tooth yeah you know, man I mean, the kids are like oh they're way past me yeah, so i can so still you, hang though you still know, hang <laughs> but i'm just saying like you, you you've seen these transitions you uh-huh. talked about your responsibility to these these companies that you work for uh-huh. But you know, one of the things that your name popped up on the Enormocast site recently. You know, you you had a dust up. You fucked up. Oh yeah. Up, oh yeah. And and you, you know, we've been joking about talking about it because you want it to be in the past. Yeah. And and but I. But
1: it it won't. It's not going away. Man. I know. But <laughs> but
0: let's let's do a moment here to make it go away. You. Wow. Because it's it's silly. Because we can try, man. We can but, try. Yeah. In a lot of ways, I see it as a sort of, in my opinion, and this is my opinion, everybody. Not Joe's opinion. It was a bit of a tempest in a teacup. Like, what you you cut a tree down yeah. is this is the essence of it in in the Sierra. Now, you can tell me if this the, the problem was that the tree was some rare tree or whatever. But uh. one of the things about sport climbing and that everybody who's into it that doesn't put up roots, they don't understand what happens to get that climb there. Mm-hmm. And even here mm-hmm. in 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 Rifle, like you know we're sitting in front of the ruckman cave right now um i don't know if you guys can hear the river in the background probably but you know the the ruckman cave is cleared of vegetation Mm -hmm. and it's like this great landing zone and there's no trees to hit when you fall it wasn't like that when people found this area Mm -hmm. and we have this like i think everybody has this weird like conception that the bolts just came out of nowhere but anyway so you you Tell, tell me what happened you cut a tree down and yeah, uh it was yeah. was it an important <clears throat> tree well, i mean apparently so so
1: you know i was taken to this cliff um in south lake tahoe mm-hmm. right a couple of friends took me up there um i was overtaken with the wall and you know having the first ascension sort of mind i, I saw you know maybe three routes that were unbolted mm-hmm. and just amazing lines and i wrapped the wall checked them out and um the guys I was up there with the guy, they suggested I get in touch with uh, you know a couple of the local dudes and, and see if it's okay if I bolted them and by all means I, I you know contacted them through through my friends and um, started sort of like a Facebook rapport with, with this one guy and um, he's like yeah man like go ahead dude bolt, bolt you know do your thing um, you know have at it and so I understood that you know I think that climbers in California are a unique breed in the sense that they have a lot of respect for their land, for the ways that things have always been done, Mm -hmm. and they have a lot of pride in that, and I think it's fucking awesome. I think that that's cool, And, and I tried to take care with, you know, communicating on, on all of my moves because of that. Right. Right. So I was constantly in communication with this guy because I knew that it was the right thing to do. And it was a respectful way to go about developing in an area that they really enjoyed. I was a visitor, right. right. As usual, I'm a visitor and I'm in a place that um, seldom people would even go to like no one would really go up there. Maybe like five people. And so over the time, uh, I put the roots up, and there was this, you know, kind of jagged tree below one of the the middle root. And um, you know, I thought about it. You know, uh, I guess I should hit up the dude and and ask him. You know, I oh, yeah, man, I'm gonna make this move. I'm gonna cut that tree down because it's it's in a dangerous place, and um, you know, I don't really want anybody to get hurt. Because, I mean, that's what would have happened. It's It was just this, you know, unfortunate place for the root and unfortunate place for the tree. And it was just kind of a weird situation. And um, I decided to just kind of handle it myself. Right. You know, I went up with a saw and uh, I made the decision, right, and, and sawed it down. It was maybe about that thick, maybe about 10 inches thick, something like that. And, uh, <clears throat> I drug it down the hill and I, uh, left, right? Went climbing someplace. And, um, a little while later I get a message from, from the guy who I was communicating with. Uh, and he was pretty upset about the removal of that tree. And, you know, to me, it, it, yeah, I was like, no, man, it's cool. It's cool. Like, it, you know, it needed to be done, dude. It's okay. And, you know, I mean, you, you got to remember, man, like I come from a perspective of climbing in a place like Rifle. I go to places like the, like Spain, right? Like where there's cliffs and, you know, they have a completely, you know, different way of dealing with nature, the natural world. You know, it's right. just like a different manner. Um, You know, they just cut tree down. You know, I come from New England where I grew up around logging towns. Right. Um, I don't... I've never really had much education in botany. I don't know what trees are what. I don't. I, I, you know, never really taken much consideration into like learning that stuff. Um, You know, and and in a lot of ways, I guess I was you know fairly ignorant. But at the same time, like my intentions were to do the right thing and Mm -hmm. to keep people safe and to what I thought to do what was needed to be done. So, you know, I learned later they were upset. Um, you know, I tried to reason with him, like, you know, it's okay. You know, it needed to be done, dude. I, I, I took care of the tree. It's down the hill. Um, and then he, he started to write me back saying things like, Hey man, get ready. Something bad's going to happen to you. <clears throat> and when somebody says that to you, man, I'm like, I don't care who you are. That's, that's pretty uncomfortable. <clears throat> so I, um, you know, kind of started to freak out a little bit. I'm like, what, what's, what bad is going to happen? Are they going to like chop The root, like that's that sucks. Um, You know, I, I, you know, please don't chop the root, you guys. Like, try it first, just realize how how special that cliff is, and those roots are super, super good. And so, whatever, man. I was leaving the cliff one day with my friend Jorge down in southern Utah, and I get a phone call, um, I think from Cedar Wright, and then I have all these other phone messages from people saying, like, dude what what's going on what is this like watch your shit you're about to catch a big load of shit from the social media world right and I'm like what you know my balls just like shrivel up my whole body starts to like kind of sweat and I'm like what like what's what's going on so I get back into more service and I look up and like you know see the picture on Instagram and it's like you know. A heyday. My phone number's on there. These guys just, like, obviously <clears throat> were pretty unhappy with how that all went down and really expressed themselves via exposing what I did um, in this kind of malicious way. You know, they drug the tree back up to the cliff, took pictures, um, you know, hung me out to dry, man. I mean, you know, it's like, I. It, it, it's... This is like a really, really, you know, big topic for me, man. Like it's probably, it's literally the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life. And it's, it's something that like, I, I don't like to joke about yet. I don't like people joking about it yet. I don't find it funny. I don't find it to be, uh, I don't take any of it lighthearted. I don't really like to talk about it.
0: I know. You, I don't really like, even like exposing was a big debate all this shit between us when we when we decided to yeah. do this. Not not a debate, but but I was like, you got to talk about it. No, I'm okay, okay like, to talk know what about. I like to talk about. It. But it's I, the it, reason I wanted to talk about it, and and the reason you don't want to talk about it is because <laughs> you're embarrassed by it.
1: Well, I'm embarrassed by it, but it also was something that nearly ruined everything I built in my life. Right. And it also had a lot of good attributes. Okay. So it's it, it was a really tough, you know. The t- you know the whole the whole thing was it just sucked it just sucked. But it also put me in a in a different place you know mm-hmm. and there's like some good aspects that came from this, um, you know, it 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 made me grow the fuck up a lot, and it made me a lot less naive. It's definitely created a lot more concern and interest in sharing. My story with other people, mm-hmm. so that you know we can all, you know, do our best to maintain the rad climbing areas that we have and not fuck up like I fucked up, right? You know, like learn from my dumbass who you know made a decision that pissed people off. Like, mm-hmm. dude, you can go to a lot of different cliffs and a lot of different cliffs are going to have a different way of operating. Mm-hmm. And this is something I never really thought about before. I mean, talk about naive and and like ignorant, man. I mean, I I think about that like nearly every day now Mm -hmm. I go to different cliffs I visit I'm a visitor Mm -hmm. and when you visit when you visit your friend's houses you're respectful right well it's the same with climbing man you go to different cliffs you you need to be respectful I mean I believe it's the most important thing and the best way to kind of you know conserve what we have I like to go climbing in cool spots man and I don't want them to fucking go away because people screw it up and like those guys whatever for whatever reason they they you know, the way they expose me or whatever you want to call it. For whatever reason, it definitely, you know, changed my life in a lot of
0: ways. Right. Well, look, I, I, I'm certainly not, like, going to to either berate you or necessarily, you know, say it was no big deal because it was a big it deal was to you. A big, and it was a And big again, deal. you're right. Like, it was a big deal. But in all honesty, from a guy with this you know as much experience that i have in the community yeah is that the way it went down felt personal yeah it felt like it wasn't i mean there was this <clears throat> pretense of the environment in this tree but it to me it looked and felt really personal the way they took you down and the reason i say that is because in my experience in the 25 years i've been around climbing or longer now when these things come up, whether it's a chopped root, you know, and we've had choppings here in Colorado that have, that have been kept on the DL the last few years, but have happened it, at the root of there's, there's all this talk about the, the greater good or the greater ideas, but at the root of it, 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 a lot of times feels personal in that. Yeah. I won't argue with that, you know? And, and so when I was watching it go down and I was just <laughs> like, Oh no, <laughs> You know, I was just like, man, yeah. there was there could have been so many hundreds of ways to deal with this yep. if you'd have taken the personal out. Yeah. And the personal, like, was really... I mean, it, the personal must have felt as painful as anything. That, yeah. That's, these these certain people seem to be out yeah. to get you.
1: Yeah. No, that definitely did. I mean, like, like I said, it was the worst.
0: Do you think it put your career in jeopardy? It did.
1: Fuck yeah. My career... I almost lost everything I had. I right. mean, I built... Everything, myself, where I, where I sit right now, you know, I, I I'm a do-it-yourself, I'm, I'm I'm a self-made dude, right? Right. Right. I've never, whatever. Like, my career was in jeopardy, but the the thing that like really stood out to me throughout this whole throughout that whole experience was the people that believed in me, right? That's literally what made me cry the most. That's what made it 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 able to you know live through right um the people that believed in me man Mm -hmm. nobody dropped me no sponsors were like fuck you you're done nobody and you know why It's because they believe in me man i've i've screwed up very little right if i had some like shitty track record sure maybe it'd be like time to can a dude but like come on man i fucked up and well, we all fuck up. Right. We're allowed to fuck right. up, man. Right. And and it sucks to be called out and to be exposed like that. That's like one of the worst parts and and to be a public figure like, you know, like I am in in whatever sense, I had to really just eat
0: eat a dick for it, man. It right. just sucked. <laughs> well, the thing that again, I I don't want to make light of it, but then you just kind of think about, okay, it was a tree, it was maybe you know, a somewhat rare tree, but like, it's yeah. not like you were human trafficking or like, nope. you know, strangling. I've people done a and lot dump- worse shit than that And dumping them in, you know, and dumping them in dumpsters somewhere. Right. So it's like during the thing, too, because I pay attention to this shit. Yeah. But I was like, man, I hope he's like, I hope he's like breathing. <sighs> And like taking a breath and thinking about like of all the horrible shit that people do yeah, in this world.
1: It's hard to see all that yeah, though when I you're know. in the moment, man. Right. When you're in like a, a really you know sick catastrophe, you know a crisis. Mm-hmm. When you're in the middle of a crisis, it's hard to see any of that. And you know right. it exists. You know life's gonna get better. You know right. it's gonna go away. But like, it's 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 a big explosive ordeal when you're in it man and it's hard to see through this through the smoke
0: all right so i know you wanted that in the past and so let's just move on um i mean there's this question that we had earlier that you kind of mentioned this idea that you are representing your sponsors and so Mm -hmm. i asked a question on the EnormaCast website of like whether or not it's okay to call sponsored climbers out about bad behavior whether you know sometimes maybe it's personal and it's none of our business but like you 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 pointed out like there wasn't an, an, a possibility of threatening access or making climbers look bad or closing areas um you know and i think you piped in you were one of the two sponsored climbers that actually piped in on that thread <laughs> you and chris schulte you know so i think there's some level of like we have to agree that that you know, when certain bad behavior happens, maybe it is time to call people out.
1: Yeah. No, but I, I will agree with that a hundred percent, man. I mean, like the, the, the dudes that are, that are making a living or are, you know, funded by us climbers, mm-hmm. they're the ones that should be leading by example. Right. You know, like nobody, you're not allowed to like screw up that many times. Right. Right. Um Used to Get be. your hand slapped. Yeah, used to be. Social media now, <laughs> yeah, man. We got a little only, bit yeah, more of right. like, you know.
0: That's the, the eye in the sky. Big brother, sure.
1: eye in the sky. You know, you're not invisible. Like, you're so easily exposed. Right.
0: Well, let me ask you a, a last couple questions to wrap this thing up. Um, you talked about you're going to go over and check out Geyer which is like, for me, like, I'll, I'm going to never climb it, I don't think. You know, I'm a dad now. Who knows what's going <laughs> to happen to me. And and my tolerance for scary climbing has like dwindled year after year. But you know, I it's one of those roots that I personally hold in this like amazing respect. But the the real thing I wanna ask you about, and again it's about transitions, mm-hmm. is that you know, I'm I've always pride myself in this sort of all arounder, you know, whether it's big roots or whether it's sport climbing, you know, I try to like be a guy that's everywhere and I watch again we talked about the transition from being a guy who's repeating hard roots to being a guy who's putting up hard roots and a lot of times I see a career and again like Sharma he manages to just stay badass but a career that lasts a certain amount of time has these transitions and I I, before you ever brought that up it was going to be one of my questions was like do you ever see yourself transitioning away from this, you know, the the pure sport climber, which I don't know if you're, you know, have secretly sent like super hard trad routes in your past or, or, or what, but your public image anyway, is this sport climber, you know, one pitch, hard routes, work them, get them done, move on to the next one. And I've always like, just personally looked at that and said, God, does that get boring? Like one after another, and then you get to a certain age where now you're really like, They're not even a certain age, but a certain level of experience where Uh the ups and downs become, I mean, to gain, you know, you just, last time you were on the show, you you talked about this training, but to make gains at your level is like so impossible. So, do you see a transition? I mean, the silver guard is like, that's a serious, that's some serious business. It's some serious business. Are you like ready for this? No. No. And is this like a, like a, like a shot to see like, is this part of part of my being is this part of something that i can do
1: i think i think the part of me is interested in that you know Mm -hmm. like i definitely ask that question um at the same time i'm kind of going into it with a really open mind of like hey man let's just see if we can get up this wall Mm -hmm. i don't really have any expectations as of yet and i'm kind of like enjoying that right I'm kind of like just enjoying not putting any like pressure um you know i'm climbing in, in rifle and probably already right saw now
0: you brought it up
1: no no, Although, no it's cool dude, man where like, are you going i like this uh about in a and about about a month in the 27th yeah, well,
0: we leave this thing June probably 27th. won't come out until we okay. are done so
1: okay well whatever <laughs> i'm not man. gonna like
0: blow your your it, cover on this thing
1: it's okay <laughs> i mean it, we're setting it up to like go try um to me this is definitely like you know a sampler trip to see if, like, climbing um, hard alpine sport climbing is interesting for me. Mm-hmm. I've done a little bit of it.
0: Um, it's ain't no sport climb, sir. It's pretty bolted. I mean, it's it's bolted. It's bolted, and that's a confusion that a lot of people make. It's not a sport between climb. bolted climbing and sport climbing. Yeah, I you know like Indian Creek's more sport climbing than this thing. Perhaps you, you get a, the option no, by a thousand percent. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is one of the most bold and famous uh you know multi-pitch mm-hmm. you know 514 routes i've known of you know since i was a little kid right um we came to this conclusion to go try it man just kind of on a whim i like saw a photo in the late rock and ice like late ascent magazine i texted a photo to tim i'm like yo man you still interested it's like i got this time off do you want to go and I'm like, okay, yeah, I got the time off too. Let's right, go, bro. Right. I mean, it's, it's, I don't really know what to think of it, man. Right. It, it's an idea. It, it maybe it's, it's going to like, you know, segue into like a whole new mode of climbing for me.
0: Right. You know, I hope so. That'd be great, dude. I mean, um, your teammates with like Babsy. Yeah. You know, I mean. She's done it. Yeah, she's done it. And like. Nolly's done it. He's, he's my homie too. Yeah. Teammate as well. There's, these <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it, and that's the funny thing is that. I think that in those countries like Austria, you know, Babsi's Austrian mm-hmm. and there is this like natural draw to the big roots. I guess.
1: Yeah. I mean, they have the
0: Alps, you know, yeah, it's like exactly the
1: Alps are some of the most profound mountains I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't traveled that many places, mm-hmm. but I I know that the Alps are really impressive. And, you know, what we have, we have, like, the the Rockies. We've got the Sierras. We've got, you know, I think the Canadian Rockies are pretty, pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, we've but got, they're not clean like that. They're not clean like know? that.
1: Totally. I mean, this is, like, perfection right. up right. in the mountain. So this could be a total flop. Right. This could be a life-changing experience for me mm-hmm. and i just hope that like you know we have a good time right i hope that we're successful but if we're not successful it's all good man i'll, I'll you know i'll learn something from it um i re- i tried i tried to free zodiac with nick berry a few years oh, ago Oh, that's
0: right i forgot about that That was pretty yeah. cool yeah, that was a learned really a cool fair bit, bit.
1: learned a lot man and it was like i you know i was just like okay take care of me man like Keep me safe. I'm following your lead. So you know, wrapping off of El Capitan was like blowing my mind. I couldn't believe I was actually doing it. You know, mouth went dry. Uh, I was just you know freaking out. Um, you know, and then like learning how to mini traction, like you know, sort of you know uh, aid solo mm-hmm. was really scary. But then, dude, you just you just get used to it. You become right. accustomed. You just like focus on what's happening. It's a little scary all the time, but. Right. The fear changes and usually what you allow is to just, you know, trust what's happening.
0: Well, there's this great myth and it's a myth that, that, you know, old tradsters like me hold on to (laughs) is that, you know, the sport climbers like if given a little bit of a problem with trad climbing, they'll, they'll just wither. And I know that it's a fucking myth because, you know, the, the, the Huber's were, were primarily sport climbers and then they found the big mountains and then they came to, you know, yeah, maybe they had problem with track climbing for like a week Mm -hmm. and then they started crushing and that happens, Mm -hmm. you know, anybody who's hung out in Indian Creek knows that that place is like half international and most Mm. of those folks figure it out and they start crushing and, but the funny thing is, is that there's this whole segment who want the sport climbers to get their asses kicked (laughs) you know and whatever with that but the thing that sucks about that and that's not fair is what you just said is that you're you're you know we want you guys we want the 514 sport climbers to go and like somehow magically be able to climb that shit in a couple days and you're not given this opportunity to learn you know And and that's what I always say like give them a couple few trips and yeah. you know what? They're going to crush you just like they crushed you on the sport climbing. I,
1: I honestly don't know what to say to that other than like, you know, people should, people should think more about their own goals rather yeah. than worry about other people's shit. <laughs> I think that like, you know, the our American culture is so caught up in our egotistical way of being climbers. It's like almost like a total freak show and you only realize these perspectives when you travel places and then come Mm -hmm. back here Mm -hmm. we're really concerned about you know each other so like almost too much right like do your own thing i do mine yeah i'm not bothered
0: with you right leave me alone i'll leave you alone kind of thing kind of can we can we do it? i don't know man i mean (laughs) i mean i'm the guy who who recorded the aid rant like just slamming aid climbing so well it's an I look, it's an ideal we we maybe in our heart of hearts like aspire to but yeah, we're it's, human Yeah, it's an beings, ideal. It's an know? ideal. Agreed,
1: so. agreed. Agreed. I I think it's it's important to like at least implement that mentality
0: sometimes because it's a lot more liberating than yeah. to be caught up totally. in like, like, all this bullshit. You have to liberate that mentality <laughs> right before your hands hit the keyboard when you're on that <laughs> right. forum. If you can have Just this chill. moment where you're like Uh, And, and, and my, and our friend Hayden Kennedy told me this, you know, he was only like 20 and he had this wisdom. He's like, don't engage, Caloose. Don't engage. Just let it go by. Like, and here I am like 40 and I, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get this wisdom from this young kid. So, well, anyway, dude, good luck on the silver guy. Thanks. What a, what an awesome challenge.
1: Yeah. I'm I can't wait, man. It's gonna be a cool time.
0: And thanks a lot for sitting down, man, mm-hmm. and thanks a lot for being open. Thank you. I know you were nervous.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm
0: yeah. How do you feel right now?
1: Um I don't know. I feel a little bit uh, relaxed, but at the same time I mean <laughs> Do you want <laughs> you me know? to rub your back? Nah, oh, I got my good. girl for that. Yeah, yeah right <laughs> I got on. Lindsay for that. All no. right, let's get
0: you back to her. Is there okay. anything else you wanna tell us?
1: Uh no. No, everybody just enjoy and uh, thanks for listening. I was a little hesitant at first, Mr. Mugatu. I mean, you've never hired me before, and I've been around for... for ages and
0: ages. You've been around for a long, long time. I never wanted anything from you. And now if you're retired. I can't have you. And it's funny how it switches like that. But now the forbidden fruit must be tasted.